welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and other selves all over the world. And as we spring forward for daylight savings time, let us not get too distracted by the darkness on the earth that surrounds us, but let us push on a little further, leaping upwards towards mankind's divine destiny already set in motion. Let us maintain focus, and in our hearts, minds, and spirits be strengthened by the power of the mighty I Am Presence within us. For the benefit of all humanity and for those generations to come, let us work to fulfill the divine plan for which we have all been called. For indeed, we have all been called to purpose, or we would not be here. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Matthew 3 Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Matthew 4 1-11 Isis and Bill, Chapter 15 To deny to the Chinese or any people of Asia, whether the central, upper, or lower, the possession of any knowledge or even perception of spiritual things, is perfectly ridiculous. From one end to the other the country is full of mystics, religious philosophers, Buddhist saints, and magicians. Belief in a spiritual world, full of invisible beings who, on certain occasions, appear to mortals objectively, is universal. According to the belief of the nations of Central Asia, remarks I.J. Schmidt, the earth and its interior, as well as the encompassing atmosphere, are filled with spiritual beings, which exercise an influence, partly beneficent, partly malignant, on the whole of organic and inorganic nature. Especially are deserts and other wild or uninhabited tracts, or regions in which the influences of nature are displayed on a gigantic and terrible scale, regarded as the chief abode or rendezvous of evil spirits. And hence the steppes of Turan, and in particular the great sandy desert of Gobi have been looked on as the dwelling place of malignant beings, from days of hoary antiquity. Marco Polo, as a matter of course, mentions more than once in his curious book of travels, these tricky nature spirits of the deserts. For centuries, and especially in the last one, had his strange stories been completely rejected. No one would believe him when he said he had witnessed, time and again, with his own eyes, the most wonderful feats of magic performed by the subjects of Kublai Khan and adepts of other countries. On his deathbed Marco was strongly urged to retract his alleged falsehoods, but he solemnly swore to the truth of what he said, adding that he had not told one half of what he had really seen. There is now no doubt that he spoke the truth, since Marston's edition, and that of Colonel Yule have appeared. The public is especially beholden to the latter for bringing forward so many authorities corroborative of Marco's testimony and explaining some of the phenomena in the usual way, for he makes it plain beyond question that the great traveler was not only a voracious, but an exceedingly observant writer. Warmly defending his author, the conscientious editor, after enumerating more than one hitherto controverted and even rejected point in the Venetian's travels, concludes by saying, Nay, the last two years have thrown a promise of light even on what seemed the wildest of Marco's stories, and the bones of a veritable rock from New Zealand lie on the table of Professor Owen's cabinet. H.P. Blavatsky The monstrous bird of the Arabian Nights, or Arabian mythology, as Webster calls the rock, or rock, Having been identified, the next thing in order is to discover and recognize that Aladdin's magical lamp has also certain claims to reality. Describing his passage through the great desert of Lop, 
Marco Polo speaks of a marvelous thing, which is that, when travelers are on the move by night, they will hear spirits talking. Sometimes the spirits will call him by name, even in the daytime one hears these spirits talking. And sometimes you shall hear the sound of a variety of musical instruments, and still more commonly the sound of drums. In his notes, the translator quotes the Chinese historian, Matt Wanlin, who corroborates the same. During the passage of this wilderness you hear sounds, says Matt Wanlin, sometimes of singing, sometimes of wailing, and it has often happened that travelers going aside to see what those sounds might be, have strayed from their course and been entirely lost, for they were voices of spirits and goblins. These goblins are not peculiar to the Gobi, adds the editor, though that appears to have been their most favored haunt. The awe of the vast and solitary desert raises them in all similar localities. Colonel Yule would have done well to consider the possibility of serious consequences arising from the acceptance of his theory. If we admit that the weird cries of the Gobi are due to the awe inspired by the vast and solitary desert, why should the goblins of the Gadarenes, Luke 8:29, be entitled to any better consideration? And why may not Jesus have been self-deceived as to his objective tempter during the 40 days trial in the wilderness? We are quite ready to receive or reject the theory enunciated by Colonel Yule but shall insist upon its impartial application to all cases. Pliny speaks of the phantoms that appear and vanish in the deserts of Africa, Ithaca, the early Christian cosmographer, mentions, though incredulous, the stories that were told of the voices of singers and revelers in the desert, and Masudi tells of the gulls, which in the deserts appear to travelers by night and in lonely hours, and also of Apollonius of Tiana and his companions, who, in a desert near the Indus by moonlight, saw an empusa or ghoul taking many forms. They revile it, and it goes off uttering shrill cries. And Ibn Battuta relates a like legend of the Western Sahara, if the messenger be solitary, the demons sport with him and fascinate him, so that he strays from his course and perishes. Now if all these matters are capable of a rational explanation, and we do not doubt it as regards most of these cases, then, the Bible devils of the wilderness deserve no more consideration but should have the same rule applied to them. They, too, are creatures of terror, imagination, and superstition, hence, the narratives of the Bible must be false, and if one single verse is false, then a cloud is thrown upon the title of all the rest to be considered divine revelation. Once admit this, and this collection of canonical documents is at least as amenable to criticism as any other book of stories. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 Please acknowledge, precious ones, in everything you do, acknowledge the victory you want, because that acknowledgement is, in reality, the manifestation of what you desire, and when that becomes deeply enough set as a habit, it will bring almost instantaneous outpicturing in the physical octave. If you want peace to become permanent, then you must demand the victory of the peace of eternity. I'm saying this with force tonight, because the peace mankind have had from time to time came from our great love and our great realm of life. But it was not qualified as eternal, it was not acknowledged as victorious over all in this world. Hence it came, and when mankind felt discordant, they rebelled against it and drove it away. But when you begin your demand for the flame of the victorious peace of eternity descend into a condition where the human seems to be, and take its dominion there with full power, 
then it will be almost like drawing individual suns of flame here and there into the substance that has been qualified with darkness. But do acknowledge it as the victorious peace of eternity, the flame of victorious peace of eternity. And if within yourself sometimes there seems strain or stress that is disturbing, and you'll stop for just a moment and you give that acknowledgement, I am the law of the victorious peace of eternity, you will find scarcely before you get through saying the words, the rate of vibration which that is in the universe, has released through you, and you will begin to feel quiet. You will feel things stilling, and the clearness coming that will enable you to have the harmony to think clearly, to see ahead, and to know unmistakably the divine plan, and then to be for you the strength in yourselves to fulfill that plan. Beloved Elohim of Peace You see, through the centuries, my loved ones, people have wanted to fulfill the divine plan, and they have wanted to, very sincerely. And then when the opportunity was offered, they were not strong enough to do it. It's like a little child wanting to be an athlete before it grows up. But now, with these calls and your acknowledgement of the victory which you want here, then when you acknowledge that you are the law, then the law acts in you with whatever power is necessary to produce that victory. If you begin to acknowledge, I am the law of the victorious Christ which I desire manifest here in outer physical action, then dear hearts, if you were not quite as strong as you should be to produce that manifestation, the strength would come into you in order to produce the fulfillment of your acknowledgement of the law's authority in the physical octave. When you acknowledge the law of the victorious Christ, well then, precious ones, your own energy has gone forth vibrating with the call and that desire. And since you are acknowledging, when you say the victorious Christ, the fulfillment of the divine plan of your own higher mental body, it would automatically pour into you the strength or whatever was necessary to fulfill its own divine plan, when you begin to demand that it is victorious here through you. Now this will be of tremendous benefit in healing, precious ones. You can give tremendous healing and peace by this call. If your loved ones are in distress, and you wish to give that assistance to life, and you demand the flame of victorious peace of eternity to enter into the flesh structure and become the purity, the strength, the love, and the power to correct a condition, it will be so. We want you to have this freedom. Beloved Elohim of Peace